Welcome back to Soul of Warrior. This is your host, Morgan Pate. Today I'm here with Brandon Johnson. He's an ex-Army veteran, an engineer, father, husband, and an ex-biker. <laughs> yes, that's about covers it. So tell us about your experiences. So you, how long ago did you get out of the military? I got out in uh, May of 2015 and then immediately jumped into school. <coughs> Excuse me. I, uh, I had like two months of terminal leave, so I left Fort Hood uh, in May of 2020. It was May 26th. You got out? So in- yeah, I left Fort Hood at May 26th, and I can't remember what the day of the week it was or anything like that, but anyway, I think it was like May 31st, I started school at the community college. So I literally, I drove from Texas to Greeley, Colorado, uh, set up shop in my in-laws basement and then started school uh, started with a look- family with a family yeah looking for a house stressful my ETS wasn't until uh, mid-July <clears throat> uh, mid to end July so I was still getting paid which was nice um, found a house pretty quick um, bought it for like a hundred and thirty thousand little awesome. duplex it was yeah. it was really nice but yeah and then started school getting out of the military was hard yeah so like what did you do in the military so i was a, a tactical operations center uh, ncoic okay and then how long were you in seven years seven years yeah a little over seven years okay um and i know this is a lot so where all were you stationed Oh man. Uh, so I did basic training in, in South Carolina. And then from there, went to my AIT or job school mm-hmm. in Fort Bliss, Texas. That was it's like the armpit yeah. of America. Yeah, holy cow. Uh, that was fun. I almost got bit by a rattlesnake while I was there. I was uh, in this new part of the army where instead of in TRADOC mm-hmm. they would go, you'd have drill sergeants in basic training okay. and then in AIT they switched it to be more like kind and likable mm-hmm. uh, cadre mm-hmm. rather than drill sergeants in, in AIT as well and we had liberty passes like every day after class and chow and everything like that we, uh, we were able to actually like go pretty much do whatever we wanted as long as we were back before a certain time okay um so i went off base a lot Mm -hmm. uh which was unique for an ait student yeah um but i remember i was like walking between one place and another i was like at a walmart and walking to like the fucking mall or something i don't even remember but crossing this field yeah freedom freedom i was crossing this <laughs> crossing this field and i was walking on a concrete uh like a like a spillway type um it was about probably like a two or three foot wide slab of concrete that was raised about maybe 18 inches above the ground and then i jumped off and I landed right on the head of a rattlesnake. Oh my gosh, what? And yeah, the rattle just started whipping. I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> so 
So I jumped off, and uh, luckily I didn't get bit. But yeah, that's my that's my close call with Holy cow. rattlesnake. What? And then I'm glad he didn't get bitten. That's that's ultimate like. That's how you get in trouble, and that's how you get. That's how that's how you get fucked up. Cause yeah. That and I wasn't with a battle buddy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and so you know you that's... had to travel in pairs of twos. Oh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. You were married though. I was, yeah. So how? So I was married too, but I avoided. That's how I avoided all the, the bullshit of the battle buddy like, shit. Oh yeah, no, that was just for AIT. Okay, that just text like your tech training. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, holy cow! And then how was uh, married life transitioning? You know, into that from. So I was married before okay. I went into the military. Okay. So that was probably a game changer. So I didn't have to find a wife while in the military. You don't have to think that's, about that. Yeah. That's all. That's like that's a whole other ball game horror stories yes. I have from other soldiers. Oh yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, no, my wife. She was she was pretty supportive. Um, I tried to join the military fresh out of high school but was unable to because I weighed too much okay um then I just started partying more gained more weight I was at like 285 uh before I made the decision to try to get into the military okay I dropped down to I think it was 255 that's pretty good and that's when I was actually able to get in yeah but I still barely got in yeah barely 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 uh and then i went all the way down from that to 185 okay um holy cow what right, right? what like i saw my wife for the first time she's like who the fuck are you because <laughs> army basic training that's three months long uh it's nine yeah nine weeks and you're like you're running hard like rucking all of that right? yeah 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 we were rucking every almost every day um, anywhere we went, we were rucking, running, something. And, I don't know. It was fun. I would definitely do that part again. It sucked while you were there because you yeah. know that whole, you have that mindset of like, oh, I don't want to be here. I yeah. wish this was over. Dude. But looking back, like, it was fun. I feel like, too, just like something about the, the mindset of like just going hard and pushing yourself to the extreme and it's hard to do that outside of the military I think the yeah the only place I've ever found it was either motorcycle club yeah or the gym so yeah no (laughs) absolutely that's what just I don't know just people want to push themselves past their limits and I, I think that's hard to find you know um, so the motorcycle club, did that start while you're in the military? It did. Yeah. It actually started in Okinawa. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so was that like a local thing or is it a military? It was, club? uh, so it's, it's a military style motorcycle club. Um, since I, uh, am no longer there, uh, they actually switched it up because they realized that you cannot only get veterans like your your club is eventually gonna die out if you don't include yeah people who haven't served 
so they've made that transition. So now they're more of a traditional motorcycle club. Okay. But, um, yeah, it started in Okinawa. Oh, to f- finish your first question. Yeah. From Okinawa, mm-hmm. or from uh, AIT, I went straight to overseas to Japan. Mm-hmm. Was in Okinawa for three years, and then tra- transitioned to Hood. Okay, cool. And then how was how was it living in another country for oh the first gosh. time? It was crazy. Like I flew military <clears throat> military flights to Okinawa to to base, um, but it was chartered. It was like a civilian, like seven forty seven. Okay. Um, just piloted by military or whatever. Um, so I landed at Kadena Air Force Base. Right, that's where I was stationed. Okay. And my squad leader picked me up in a fucking GTR. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> right? Okay. And I'm like, oh fuck! So this is what this is what this <laughs> like. And then I found out that GTRs are a dime a dozen. Like, they're all over the place. Yeah. Um, and most of them are trash. But regardless. Yeah, it's still yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. But yeah, he picked me up in a GTR, and I, I went over there alone because uh, my wife's passport didn't come in on time. Okay, and that's pretty... That happens quite yeah, a bit. It yeah, it does. Um, she had a civilian passport, but she couldn't use that to get there. She had to have a SOFA status okay, uh, passport. Okay, to get on base. Just travel. Oh, okay. Crazy. To travel on military orders, she had to have a SOFA status passport. Okay. Um, real pain in the ass it actually came in the mail the day i flew so oh my gosh oh my god <laughs> and the real shitty part is i stopped in denver as a layover okay but i couldn't see her because the whole security thing yeah oh, that's so frustrating and then like her getting <clears throat> over to japan did did you all have to pay for her travel no, separately? No, thank okay. God, because that was so expensive. Um, no, as soon as I got to Japan, found out she had her her passport. You know, I talked to my first sergeant, and I was like, "Hey, my wife has finally had a passport. I need to I need to go over to uh, to uh, personnel or you know whatever, get her a plane ticket." So I was able to get her there pretty quickly. She, she got there about a week after I did. Okay, that's not bad at all. <clears throat> no. That's what... I assumed it would be, like, months after. Me too. That's what, <laughs> I did too. Cow. But for that week, because she wasn't there, I wasn't able to get housing. Which is <laughs> fucking ridiculous. So, I was in a hotel that I only had, like, a mini fridge and a little cooktop thing with hardly any working anything so it was not a good situation none of your none of your cooking appliances or anything so you had to probably go buy paper plates and stuff or like or pans yeah well luckily the hotel was right next to the px oh okay yeah so i basically ate ate out like all the fucking time yes and it was it was bad but As soon as she got there, I was able to actually find housing, but I couldn't get into the housing right then and there. Yeah. So they moved us to like a family suite at the hotel, yeah. and then I actually had a kitchen, so that was nice. So you're 
Oh man, I I know how that is. It's like it's so stressful because you're like, come on, like you gotta spend more money just to live comfortably and yeah. Uh, but and, you know, we're not we're not accustomed to eating out all the time. We right. never, even though we partied a lot, we drank <laughs> we drank all of our calories. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't actually go out and eat a lot. Right. And then, so even in, even in Japan. You didn't. So in Japan, we we made meals at yeah. the house. Yeah. Um, Japanese prices weren't all that bad. The exchange rate when I was there was like eighty cents mm. to the dollar. Okay. So. Still, yeah. And then being from Colorado, um, and then transitioning to a new country where there's a different culture, different food, different everything. How, yeah. like, yeah. did you enjoy that? Did I you not? I loved it. Really? Yeah, I yeah. loved it. We, uh, we pretty much immersed ourselves into the into the culture as much as possible, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not learning Japanese. That shit was impossible. Um, <laughs> but it was very interesting. You know, yeah. we, we tried all kinds of crazy food and there's one of our favorite restaurants we found was right outside of base. It was a vending machine style. Like, it had pictures of the food, and then you'd put your money in. No. You'd hit the button. No. Yeah. <laughs> but then it would just print out a ticket. Okay. And then you would take the ticket. Okay. No, okay. I don't know. I was thinking, like, ramen. Ramen noodles on the vending machine. I was like, no. No. <laughs> well, to be real, they do have that. Is there a way to heat them up, or is it just, like, pre... Yeah. Yeah, they have, like, a little hot water thing. What? It's crazy. What? That's wild. Yeah, they had vending, actual vending machines for drinks. Okay, um, yeah. And they had a hot and cold side, so you could get, like, a hot tea out of a vending machine. Okay. I kind of like that, though. Yeah, yeah I coffee. really like that. Yeah. No, that's nice. But, yeah, Japan was dope. I'd live there again in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Did you guys do anything, um, like, within the culture? Did you go snowboarding, or? Um, so because Okinawa was so far away from everything. Yeah. It was a three-hour flight from Tokyo. Okay. So, that's pretty far. Yeah. Um, so I had to take leave anytime I wanted to do anything off the island. Which, okay. I didn't want to take leave. Yeah. So, we didn't really go yeah. to the bigger island very often. Yeah. I went there on orders a yeah. couple of times. And then we went on vacation once. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I tried to make it up to the Sapporo Ice Festival. Oh, are you jealous? Because they do, like, ice carvings and yes, all uh-huh. kinds of crazy Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. tried to go up there, but it didn't work out because we had to go to the field. And then Kadena was running their stupid base exercise. Yeah. So we were in like fucking mop four. Oh, for that's like, awful. What time of year? It didn't matter. Oh my god. Okinawa's. Well, okay, it does matter. So summers are like ninety some degrees. Yeah. Hundred percent humidity. Yeah. All the time. The difference between night and day is only about 10, 15 degrees. Mm-hmm. That's it. Winters are like. 60, 50, 60 degrees, mm-hmm. 100% humidity. So, 
it sucks regardless. So will you explain to anyone listening who doesn't know what Mach 4 is? Will you explain? Okay. So uh, essentially, it's it's a chemical suit that is it has a bunch of charcoal in it, so it's really heavy, really hot, and you have these big rubber boots and gloves and this like a gas mask that has a rubber seal over your uniform over over your, over your uniform yeah yeah and then you had to put all this stuff on and then put a hood over your head mm-hmm. that went around the gas mask and everything had to be as airtight as possible gloves and you couldn't drink water well you could if they made this stupid little hose that you could put in your gas yep. mask and then drink out of a canteen but it was always extremely disgusting. Yeah, so that it was it was really, really bad. And if you had to go to the bathroom, then you either had to hold it or like piss yourself. And it, it was it was bad. I even remember like, do you, uh, what was it called? So we would get up, we would get dressed up in, in mop four and and. Um, do like decon training like a decon yep. line mm-hmm. so like my career field was responsible for setting that up in a deployed environment and so um we practice over and over and over and we spent like a whole week at this training and setting it up and rushing people through it but but rush rushing but also like being you know uh, aware that like if there's contaminants on the person we really need to make sure that nothing you know sure that's supposed to get contaminated is getting yeah so uh i remember throwing up like at the end of that just because you don't there's no air in that suit there's no right it's yeah. so fucking hot yeah so a lot of times i would be i'd work in the talk <coughs> um so i worked at, at a, a patriot missile battalion okay so i'd be in the talk and there'd be high level officers all over the place and we're sitting in a giant tent. Most of the officers don't give two shits. They're yeah. just like, I'm taking this off because I can. Yeah. But you have to keep that on. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, yeah, fuck off. So what <laughs> me and I directed anybody that I was in charge of to do was just to unscrew the canister yeah. of the uh, gas mask yeah. to where you could breathe easier. Mm. <laughs> You're trying to sneak. Yeah, until someone comes by and inspects your mask yeah, yeah, to yeah. make sure you got, go I'll do the whole suction. Get yeah. your battle buddy to yep. test you. Yeah, I remember all that. Oh. Yeah, that was bad. No, I hated that. But yeah, so uh, while I was in Okinawa, I frequented bars because, you know, military culture. Yes. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Frequented bars, like, every, every chance we got. Sometimes during the week. Straight alcoholics. Yeah. Across the board. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, and I ran into this guy. And we started talking. Got along really well. And he had, like, his motorcycle vest and patches, you know, everything. Yeah. Um, And I've always been interested in the motorcycle club lifestyle. Yeah. um, But never... Never really had a chance to explore it prior to the military. And so we exchanged phone numbers and he's like, yeah, we'll have to hang out. Well, it turns out where I lived right behind my, 
apartment or condo or whatever you want to call it was like the base comms center. Okay. Which consisted of a, just a bunch of cable reels and like a Connex mm-hmm. with an air conditioner on it. <laughs> and that's where he worked. So he, he literally worked in my backyard. And we hit it off pretty well. Um, I got invited out to the, the clubhouse that they had there. Okay. Met all the rest of the guys, and they were phenomenal dudes. Like, just grade A, like, classy guys yeah. that were alcoholics. Fit <laughs> <Stay> right in. <laughs> so I fit right in, you know. I'm not exactly a classy dude, but I fit right in. But you like to drink, so I it's like kinda, to drink. Yeah, I mean, like to have fun. And so uh, I ended up buying a, a Harley off this off one of the guys who was PCSing, five hundred bucks. Cool, that's awesome. Yeah, it was what? It was like like a nineteen ninety uh, Sportster. Cool. He's probably trying to get rid of it too, like. Right. Yeah. 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 You can't. Quick. You can't take it with you. Yeah. Because it. Uh, Harley's have their VIN designation of a one HD for um, the United States. Okay. And it was a four HD for Japan and maybe other places in Europe or something. Okay. Um, so you can't bring a four HD bike mm-hmm. to the United States and mm-hmm. get it registered. So you have to sell it before you PCS okay. as part of your clearing. Mm-hmm. So he sold it for me, 500 bucks. I'm like, cool. Had a bike, was riding around with these guys. Uh, I was a little nervous about riding in, yeah. in Japan yeah. because the, uh, the volume of traffic is intense. Uh, I can't remember the statistics of how long and wide the island is, but it's not very big. But it would take, I lived in central Okinawa, and it would take me an hour and a half to get to the northernmost point. That's so far? For yeah. an island? Too? For an island. Yeah. And speed limits, yeah. the speed limit on uh, the expressway was like 65 okay. kph. Yeah. Um, in town on side streets was like 30, 40. Um, like for anybody who's not driven 15 miles an hour. <laughs> As a speed limit, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. that's hard. <laughs> but on a bike, it's easy because you can cut like in and out and like yeah, yeah, lane. yeah, 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 lane split, yeah, lane filter, mm-hmm. everything. Um, so yeah, I started riding with these guys, and then I was like, you know what, I want to be, I want to be one of you. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, glad you asked. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> they don't. I'm not going to get into, like, motorcycle club protocol, but essentially, they're not just going to be like, hey, do you want to join us? You have that to shit, ask them. Yeah, that shit doesn't happen, so. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so I, I became a prospect, and as a prospect, you couldn't drink and couldn't carry a weapon, which carrying a weapon in Okinawa wasn't an issue because they don't have firearms. Right. Okay. Um... So, started my prospect days, and then I got fully patched in to the, the motorcycle club before I PCS back to the States, okay. which was nice, because then when I got back, I was already a full patch, a full member, didn't have to do, didn't have to prove myself to anybody when I got here to the States, which was really nice. But 
the club uh, patches like transfer over to other gloves or what? Oh, uh, no, no. I don't know. How no, works. no. No, if you're a patch of one club, that's it. Okay. But it's transferable, if you will. It's like being in the military. Once you're in the military, you're, like, in. you're in. Okay. But then you can bounce from base to base. Okay. So okay. it's kind of like that. So I have a couple questions. Um, just from my experience, maybe you can clarify. When I was in the military, we were always told by our leadership to stay away from the patches, the MC patches, because they were like dangerous. Um, there's another one. There's MC and another one. Motorcycle club and then like a, just like a, a get together, like a like a riding club. Riding club. Yeah. So, motorcycle club culture and, like, the whole, like, the bad guys, right? Mm -hmm. Society labels as bad guys. Mm -hmm. And they see a a patch with an MC on it. It's just, it just literally, quite literally, just stands for motorcycle club. That's it. Nothing crazy. It doesn't have any kind of crazy behind-the-scenes meaning. It's just motorcycle club. That's it. Um... There's other patches that some clubs wear that identify them as more outlaw. Oh, okay. Um, and that'd be like your your one percent. It'll be a little like a diamond with a one in it. Mm, okay. Um. So that that's more like your outlaw motorcycle clubs. Okay. Which some of the nicest guys I have ever met yeah. and some of the guys that will literally just, they will strip down butt naked just to give you some clothes. <laughs> like, what? these guys are like the nicest dudes I've ever yeah. met in my life. Yeah. But if you cross them, yeah. what? just watch out. <laughs> I, I know one here in Fort Collins. He, he's, I don't, he'll probably never listen to this, but a one percenter and uh i met him at the gym but he's covered in tats he's like freaking jacked yeah he's intimidating looking like yeah like i'd be scared but he's the nicest person right (laughs) so nice there's a club um their clubhouse is in lasalle that's not too far from where i live Mm -hmm. and they put on a a charity ride for kids yes it's like a christmas cherry ride yes uh uh-huh and it was so cool like I've never ridden in such cold weather but it was negative four when I left my house Mm -hmm. I rode up the canyon of on highway 34 okay stopped at this leather shop and it was like the sun came up so it was like negative (coughs) ten and uh I read the fucking flyer wrong and I read it as like kickstands up at 7 a.m. Oh, okay. It was not kickstands up at 7 a.m. <laughs> it was not. I got there at like 6.45 in the morning. You're early. You're ready. I was early. Yeah, I was yeah. ready to go. I was the second bike there. And the other people, the other people that were there, uh, they were like, did you read the flyer? I was like, yeah. It said kickstands up at 7, right? And I was like, that's what I thought. So I pulled it up on my phone. I took a picture. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, the meeting time, like, as people are starting to meet is 7. 
we didn't actually kick up until like 10 uh. and it was cold but the owners of the the shop up there they opened the doors and let us in they had coffee and fucking like somebody went to um king supers or bought like a bunch of donuts that's cool like starbucks box coffee and it was dope it was a great time um but when people started to show up this particular club has chapters all over the state okay and all of them i'm telling like all of them had to be all of them i hope maybe i don't know but there was probably 200 of these guys that were at this ride yeah and it was intense and this is this is one of the most famous outlaw motorcycle clubs holy shit there is like their club history goes back to like the post world war ii and they're they're like lemon when i tell you hardcore like there's this dude he had a fucking shotgun that was (laughs) strapped to his bike in his fairing (laughs) (laughs) i love it it was insane i don't know if it was just looks probably not that's literal the literal meaning of strapped right i like that but yeah so i you know me i don't have a patch on because i was already out of the motorcycle club at that time so i was walking around i didn't have a patch on so i was just introducing myself you know talking to all these guys and they're like you know you handled yourself nice i was like i was like well i was a former member of a club Uh he's like yeah we get that he's like we we actually see that quite often where people you know flock to our type our type of clubs yeah uh i'm like yeah i'm not flocking i'm just let you know (laughs) like i'm not i'm just here for the charity ride like cool and uh we hit it off. I went to their clubhouse, and at their clubhouse, it was a whole nother level. They had, like, their main room, and then they had their prospects covering the door. Okay. And they had cameras, like, three cameras pointing at you, so there was no way you were getting in the door without being seen at, by three different perspectives. Okay. And uh, went in. <laughs> they had, like, strippers. It's poles oh, like like what you would traditionally think of like a like an outlaw type party yes yeah it was insane but so okay this is gonna sound real ignorant but you know sons of anarchy is it anything like that no <laughs> no <it's not>. uh, no <laughs> <What>? no <laughs> maybe some of them think it does mm-hmm. maybe but no. <laughs> Dang it. Man, I like the drama. Yeah, the drama is nice. <laughs> yeah. So, as far as like being a prospect, what do you do as a prospect? Um, it's kind of like being an intern at an office. Okay. You literally you do whatever you're told. That's it. You're a little bitch, basically. Like, yeah. But like, what does that entail as a in a motorcycle club? I did a lot of I lo- I washed a lot of bikes. Okay. Oh, I changed. Shit. I like did maintenance on bikes. Changed oil. Okay. Um. A lot of the tasks 
you get aren't they're not mundane. No. Uh, they're they're there to teach you some type of lesson. Yeah. Uh, and one of these, like, I'll share one. I was out there and I was washing a bike, and one of the full patches came up to me and he was like, "Hey, prospect." He's like, "Do you know why you're washing bikes?" I was like, "Yes, I do, patch holder. Like, this is oh, okay. this is like yeah. legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah." Yeah. And so I, I told him I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm washing the bike because it's dirty," <laughs> and he's like. No. <laughs> he's like, no, that's not it at all. I'm like, all right. Okay. So, he's like, he's like, would you wash a bike if you were a full patch? Would you wash another full patch's bike? And I'm like, that's why there's prospects. He's like, wrong answer again. I'm like, fuck. I'm old for two. But no, is basically it's a basically like a brotherhood thing. Okay. You wash your brother's bike to make sure there's nothing wrong with it. Looking out for each other. Yeah, okay. you're looking out. You're looking out for What's each other, happen? and you're. you're I uh, should. So you're just looking out for each other, and then you're getting that that team building type mentality, okay. where you're not just an individual; you're you're part of a larger group. Yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of scares me. Just like trust issues, as far as like, okay, I understand, <clears throat> I understand you're looking out for someone else, and you're you're washing their bike, but like, it would make me nervous to have someone else touch my bike. Like, what if they had bad intentions and, like, fucked it up? You know, I thought the same thing. But for whatever reason, like, I have trust issues. Like, when I said I have trust (laughs) issues. But for whatever reason, like, these guys, like, right out the gate. Like, right out the gate. If I... If I was a full patch and you were a full patch yeah. and we didn't even know each other, yeah. we didn't even know each other existed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we met each other at one of a, like a club function. Uh-huh. And <laughs> if you, if you needed a place to stay, there was, it was no questions asked. Okay. You just, you could come, just come to my house. Okay. Sleep yeah. on my couch. The brotherhood. Yeah. 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 Like. That's kind of the military too. Kind of. Yeah, it is. It is. It's the military. It's. And that's, I think that's kind of where it all stemmed from. And that's why I clicked. Yes. And even after the military, that's what held me. Um, but then I got, I got way too busy and 99% of the members of my chapter lived in Colorado Springs, which isn't a far ride. It's only like two hours, but it's two hours when I'm trying to take care of my family yeah. i'm trying to go to school yeah. i'm trying to do all this yeah. and so i missed a few club, like events and then i saw so i talked to my prez and i'm like hey man like i don't want to do this but i need to do this so i got out good standings like they'll let me back in if i want but uh yeah it was crazy and it, it's, uh, it's similar to the military, kind of, in a lot of ways. So, like, even getting out is hard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, what happens... 
what happens if you get out under like like on a bad standing? I guess on a bad note, is that what? It's a I don't know. For I can't speak for other clubs, but for my club, it's basically no different. You just don't ever talk to anybody again. Oh shit! Okay, You're, yeah. Can you ride in the area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not like you're banned from. <laughs> I don't know. Banned from the highway. <laughs> if you're senior, you're gonna get shot with this sawed-off shotgun. No, so it was. It's it's chill. Like it's not. I know this fucking dog. That's cool though. Like okay, so. So like, we were not. We were a family, a family first type of motorcycle. Yeah, club. awesome. Um. But I always, I don't know, I always counted my my brothers as my family, so Absolutely. it was, it got a little convoluted sometimes. Yeah. So, um, did your wife come around the club at all? She did. She didn't really like it. Uh, that's yeah. ultimately another reason why I left. Can uh, you talk about that, or would you like to? Uh, well... Or just like it's kind of like the military there yeah. too. Uh, you'd have like your the fuck do they call it? FRG, family readiness group. Oh yes, uh-huh. uh huh. Yeah. So like for married, married service members, they'd have all the wives would get together, it's or spouses. Side. Um, all the spouses would get together, and they would just basically sit there and bitch. Um, it's a different type of different people. different type of yeah. people for sure. My wife did not participate in any of them. She went to two FRG meetings, and because the commander of my unit personally asked her to come to an FRG meeting to see if she liked it because they were in need of members. You know, because... Yeah, anyway. So she fucking hated it because all these people did was bitch and... <laughs> talk badly about like their husbands or yes. wives or you know yeah. whatever and so she hated it yeah I can imagine I, I didn't like them <laughs> I didn't like those wives no. military wives right I mean we call them depend upon oh for a God. reason well they like they, it's just frustrating because we have a meeting we have a squadron meeting the whole squadron is there and the military wives like act like they come dressed up acting like they're like fucking Stepford wives like who the fuck do you think you are right (laughs) what the hell and the thing I hated the most the most is wives of officers Mm. and like these women would assume their husband's rank like well my husband is a colonel (laughs) I'm like Okay, bitch. <laughs> like, you're still nobody. You're like, nobody, bitch. <laughs> I don't want to listen to you. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. And, like, oh, my gosh. Like, the drama. Like, um, yeah. what I saw drama. was, they, what I didn't like is, is those wives always said, like, oh, we're here if you need us. But they were not, they didn't work for anybody. And so your information was not confidential. Right. You told them what was going on and you went and cried to them or whatever. I didn't ever do that, but I'm just saying that it happened to other people. <laughs> they, like, you go cry to them about your problems and then they tell fucking everybody. 
and their husbands would tell everybody and like uh yep ugh, just drama 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 but man you're, yeah your wife wasn't for it huh no. she, she's like <laughs> nah and the motorcycle club world was it was different but it was in very much the same way okay she got along with a lot of the wives with the chapter in Okinawa okay because Okinawa overseas where you, you served overseas right mm-hmm. did you serve in a non-combat area overseas uh, no it was a combat no. area yeah so being in like Kadena Air Force Base the unit is small especially for army okay. the army unit was small it was only like 600 that was the whole that is really small that was the whole um, battalion it was like to- 600 so my individual battery within the battalion was I don't know like a hundred okay a hundred and thirty maybe it's like a really long deployment and it was it was a real tight-knit community and even to separate that even smaller my platoon was only like 27 okay so we we treated each other like family Uh, my wife and I started a tradition on Thanksgiving like we would invite literally every fucking single every single single soldier yeah to my house that's cool and we'd barbecue and fucking smoke turkeys or fry turkeys or just do what the fuck ever community drink a lot yeah um so and I was I I made NCO really quickly Mm -hmm. two and a half years that's, that's really good. Really fast. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't allowed to just invite onesie twosies. Like, no, you invite everybody. I had to invite everybody or you know, I was playing favorites. Yeah. So I did. I invited everybody. And um, it was great. I had a lot a lot of good turnouts. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of memorable parties. Oh, yeah. Like my first sergeant would come over. I miss that. Yeah. Uh, my commander would come over because it was a tight-knit community. Yes. I got back to the States and I thought it was the same way. No, it's not. Not the same way. I tried to invite people over to my house and nobody showed up. And then my first sergeant called me into his office. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? You Mm. can't do this. Mm. like, what? (laughs) Stateside, it's different. It's different because like rank, like, like the way it is overseas, I think that that's how it should be. And like I understand, I understand that if you get too close that some people you know you become friends with with an officer like your commander right. and like i understand that uh level of respect mm-hmm. should be upheld but like yeah yeah still i was always able even right off the bat as a private i was always able to keep my work time relationship different than my off work time yeah so one of my really good friends even to this day when I got to Japan, he was a sergeant, uh, and I was a private. He got okay. promoted to staff sergeant when I was still a private. Okay. We hung out on the weekends. Yeah. We drank together. We partied together. Yeah. We did all this stuff. But when we were at work, it was I was fucking locked up, parade 100%. rest, like hundred percent respect for this dude. Yeah. All the time. I never took our friendship outside of work into work. Mm-hmm. He yelled, yelled at me. Numerous times. We fucking... We went down to, out to the field. And I'd get the shit smoked out of me for doing something stupid. 
all the time. And we just had that relationship, and yeah. it was fun. Yeah. I would sit there and, you know, be doing fucking push-ups or whatever the hell you wanted me yeah. to do. And I'd be like, so, what are you doing this hey. weekend? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's different, like... It, it, it's different when you realize, like, the mission's more important elsewhere. Like, yeah. the mission's more important, and so the rank doesn't fucking matter. But when we're stateside, like, mission's still important, but not as. Right. And so what really matters is the level of respect it's like what the fuck treat, yeah, yeah. treat me like a human being right yeah and that's that's how I was introduced to the military yeah ever since my first unit yeah um I was considered forward deployed in Japan because we had a live mission okay so we would have hot missiles in launchers oh yeah yeah constantly. mission was way more important then yeah um, yeah 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 so that's what I thought it was going to be like yeah. for the rest of my career. <laughs> nope. And I got back stateside, and they're like, no, 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 we don't even fuck with missiles. Um, if we want to do anything with missiles, we have to give, we have to use dummies. I'm like, okay, I can see that. We don't have an active threat within like 10,000 right. miles or yeah. something. Um, but rules are now. But rules are different. Yep. Holy shit. They actually abide by them. Yeah. And then we were fucking, when I got to stateside, it, it was lead up, train up, prepare for deployment. Like, so my, my wife got pregnant. Okay. In Okinawa. Okay. Right before, like, as we were leaving. She, we didn't find out until we were on our way to Texas after my, like, month of leave that I took off. That's that's exciting though but um, that's a yeah, it big was, transition though but it was a transition we went from partying every weekend hanging out with friends and then boom no longer drinking um, trying to make friends who didn't drink constantly yes or yeah. trying to make friends that had families how do we transition into this yeah yeah and it yeah. was it was hard <laughs> yeah. uh, luckily I did make a, a really good friend who I'm still really good friends with to this day in Fort Hood. He was a private when I got there, actually. Uh, but he came up in rank really quick because he was, he was older like I was okay. when he joined. So we were very similar mindset, about the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, he, was, he was a rock star. He had a family. He had a daughter wife uh but the military happened and his wife cheated on him and so he left or kicked her out she had to move back to virginia but she took his daughter Mm. because he couldn't he it's hard to be a single single dad yeah yeah they give all the rights to the women yeah, yeah there's and there's no the military is a little sexist in this way, where if a woman is a single mom, there is plenty of resources. Yeah. But if a man is a single father, there's nothing. No. No. There is nothing. Nope. And so he he didn't give up custody, but he uh, she moved to Virginia with his daughter, and then he became like a single soldier. Yeah. And so he, hung, he basically slept in my basement. Oh, 
bless his heart. That's hard. For, like, a long time, because yeah. he, he was not at a good place mentally. No, no. And he, when you're like that, you can't be alone. Like, you need people around you. And man. Ah, oh, bless his heart. Right. And I'm like, I introduced him to the club, and yeah. he's still in. Like he, he was able to join the club, and um, he's still in. He has a, a really good relationship with all those guys still. Uh, but <sighs> I fucking hate that That's kind tough. of music. <laughs> I know. We're, uh, yeah, we're in a really noisy place, too. Yeah. But, um, so what I saw happen quite a bit was it's a shitty thing about the military. It's like, especially with officers, they make a lot more money than they enlisted. So a couple would be married for at least 10 years of the contract and then they'd get a divorce and after 10 years the spouse would get half of their retirement and I saw that a lot and I was like oh my god what yeah Uh, a lot of scheming ploys you know screw people over yep I even (laughs) I know these, there was these two couples. Okay. They were the shadiest fucking people I've ever met in my life. They actually ended up, they partied all together all the time. Okay. Well, they, without even, without the two couples knowing it, they switched partners and were cheating on each other with the other, the cross. What was their last name? I can't. <laughs> because, uh, does it start with a C? No. Okay. I know a couple. <laughs> but, and this, they, they had, like, this relationship, this odd relationship going for, it was probably better parts of a year that they were, like, having an affair. With each other. With each other's, like, spouse. And they didn't know it? And nobody knew. What? What? How did it come to fruition? Like, how did people find out? Um. Come to fruition. That's not good. Come to fruit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't remember how everybody found, everybody, see, everybody else knew. Everybody around knew. It's pretty obvious. From the outside looking in, you could tell really easily. But they did not know. They were completely oblivious. Um, but in that time, both sets of marriage, oh, excuse me, marriages, nosedived. 100% nosedive. And so they ended up, like, when the truth finally came out, there was, like, so much animosity. People fighting. Like, the dudes were, like, straight fist fighting. And I'm like, both y'all, both y'all were cheating. Like, are you really that mad? Can you be that mad? I'm... It amazes me, like, the amount... Like, I don't understand... I grew up in a very traditional family. Like, very conservative, traditional. And with, like, Christian values. So, and then, like, transitioning to the military, it was, like, freedom! Like... Yeah. There are no values, you know, and I, I still think live like that. That's what 
I mean, they have their core values, but, like, that's way different than right. any other, like, moral values. Moral, yeah, moral values. So, yeah. I don't know. I still have some pretty shady moral values. <laughs> I, I think that the, like, I like the military a lot, and they've helped me a lot, you know, but I do think that, like, yeah, it definitely brings it out of you. Like, yeah. everything is okay. Everything. Right. Well, you put, nobody... <laughs> You don't join the military as a beta. No. Like, if you're going into the military, Are you going out? you're a fucking alpha. Yeah. Like, and that's it. Yeah. For the most part, there's definitely some exceptions to the rule, but uh, yeah, if you're going into the military, chances are you're an alpha. And when you put that many alphas together. That's, that's what happens. Like, morals go out the fucking window. And craziness starts. Okay. I saw some weird, yeah, just some questionable lifestyle choices. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of angry wives. <laughs> like, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I saw this one. <laughs> this one dude, he was big into the whole gay chicken. I don't know what that is. No? Oh, man. So, it's basically, like, two, like, heterosexual males would make sexual advances towards each other, and they would go as far as as you possibly can, and whoever chickened out first was somehow... Alpha. The gay chicken. Oh. Somehow. I never understood that logic, but... It's just like a... It's just a fucking game. Okay. What? So, literally be dudes, like, essentially making out as, like, heterosexual males because they don't want to fucking lose. No. No. Absolutely not. No way. I, I don't know about, did you ever, okay, so, my first impression of the military was, like, my supervisors were, we couldn't find them, and they'd give us a bunch of work to do, and they were gone for, like, three hours, and they were up on the roof drinking beer, <laughs> watching the airplanes, oh, that's and fucking we're like, classic. where have they been, like, what are they doing, and they make up some shit, and, like, they knew all the contractors, the, the maintenance contractors, and so they were like, hey, can you just, like, tell our supervision that we're here? And so they're up on the beer, uh, up on the roof drinking. <laughs> like, I, I didn't experience any shenanigans like that oh. until I got to Fort Hood. When I was in Okinawa, my leadership was fucking leadership. It was, they were like, spot-on motherfuckers. Oof. And if you were out there filling sandbags, they were out there sweating their ass off with you. And that's how I grew up okay. with leaders like that. That's yeah. who. That. Yeah, not me. That's not. Yeah. Me. <laughs> I was very, very, very fortunate to grow up in the military with leaders like that. Yeah. At least for the first three years. Absolutely. Um, but after that, it just fucking went downhill. <laughs> oh, there's a lot, like. Did you ever experience, like, abuse of power as far as, like, 
some people like got off on that of like yeah i'm gonna make you my bitch and like you're gonna do whatever i tell you to do only the weak ncos yeah just to make them feel more powerful yeah we had we had this one nco who was i don't know how he ever got promoted but he was a piece of shit like straight piece of shit and all the other NCOs knew he was a piece of shit. But out of respect for the rank, yeah. they would back him up. Ugh, that's so frustrating. And I, I didn't like that. Uh, when they clearly knew, like, okay, you're, you're just picking on this private over here yeah. because of whatever. Yeah. Or you're fucking, you feel inferior today. Yeah. Well, it turns out... This dude, he was married to a very obese woman who had a plethora of health problems because of her weight. Okay. But she didn't act like she was like 280 pounds. Okay. At like five foot one. She was the boss lady. She acted like she was a supermodel. Okay. And she put herself out there. And she got picked up by some chubby chaser, Marine officer. And he, and was, he was projecting in the office, in the workplace, yeah. And he, they hit it off and they ended up like having an affair. And so here, this poor like army NCO who's just like a weak dude has this really obese woman who cheated on him. Like, and I, I felt for the dude. Yeah. I fell for. But he comes to work acting like. A- and so he he would come to work and just try to push his feelings aside and take it out on other people. And so my uh, platoon sergeant, he was a very strong E seven, very strong. Okay. He would he would put that motherfucker in his place. I love that. Uh-huh. And he came up old school army. <laughs> so like one day. After I got promoted um, to sergeant, it was this guy and myself with our squads doing some dumb shit mm-hmm. at the Connex, like cleaning out the Connex or you know something. And he was having his soldiers do some dumb shit. And so the platoon sergeant came over. He's like, "Hey, what the fuck is this guy doing?" I don't know, sergeant. He's doing some dumb shit. I'm not part of that. He's like, "Yeah, I get it." Watch this. And so he goes over there and he beats the fuck out of him. Nuh-uh. Beats Ooh, the fuck what? out of him behind the connex. And he's like, he's like, this this is what you call a connex counseling. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so yeah, this dude, he got this shit knocked out of oh, him. Yeah. And he would he never hit him in the face. Nothing like that. It was all like chest to stomach. Like just beat the fuck out of him behind this connex like he had me take all of his soldiers away so they didn't see because you can't like you can't beat the shit out of somebody's squad leader because then they're not going to have any more respect if they ever had any for this dude so anyway long story short like I had some I had some squared away fucking leadership that brought me up correctly to where I wasn't 
that weak ass fucking NCO. I love that. What? I love that. So how was your experience, like, getting out of the military? <laughs> uh, okay. My last year in the military was, like, a whirlwind. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the military. But my last year, I was on a deployment, and it wasn't just, like, an easy deployment to one location, and that's it. <sighs> so, I deployed, um late September and I went to the UAE I thought it was going to be this cupcake deployment I was like oh this is awesome I'm excited you know to do this and I'm there for two weeks and they're like hey we just got this tasking um we need 12 of you to for deploy but we already you know have your assignments this is where we're sending you 10 people got sent to Jordan and they're like well the last two are going to be sent to Iraq and like my stomach is fucking sick I was like oh fuck <laughs> and you're like, with my luck, that's me. No, 100%. <laughs> and these, and the thing is, they did it in alphabetical order. So, Pate is like the last, you know. Oh, so, me and this guy got sent to Iraq. Just him and I. And, dude, it was just him and I for like six and a half months. Like, together. He's the only person that I, the consistent person throughout this whole deployment. And, um, so they're like okay so since you two are forward deploying it's not like you're going on a military or, or like a like a um you have to get a hot flight so you have to catch a flight out um in the back of one of these planes that's hauling cargo to another country but it's not gonna go it's not a direct flight to iraq you have to catch a flight to another country and then see if they have a flight going to iraq but the thing is we don't have a schedule for you you just have to wait in the other country until a flight goes out it's fucking bullshit that seems like some military bullshit oh my right there. god <laughs> and so like oh okay and the thing is we're going from the uae we're going from like cupcake land to like an actual combat zone um so they're like okay we need to give you uh, an m4 and an m9 okay you're gonna carry both so here we have we have our like mock gear, our full mock gear and armor, all of it, um, and then we have like our our weapons case, and then we've got like our other bag. So, but there's no one helping us, so we're like carrying all this fucking shit on a hop from like <laughs> fucking country to country, and then when you get off this hop, it, it could it doesn't even have to be like a flight line; it could be like in the middle of a fucking like dirt. Yeah middle of the desert holy shit right and then you're like no one's helping you get your shit off the plane so you got to get all your shit on your own and haul it wherever you have to dude i have never like i've got a backpack i've got a suitcase i've got a weapon i've got a mop bag and the other guy he's got all the shit too just him and i were like okay so we just got off this plane and we're in where are we oh we're in kuwait or uh where did we go yeah yo it's kuwait uh okay it's in the middle of the night it's like 2 or 3 a.m most places are closed on this little like deployed base yeah, yeah. um so the airport is open but it's like there's like one person and they don't know shit they're like wait where are you guys coming from the uae and like what do you want me to do about it <laughs> i'm like look we're not supposed to be here in kuwait so we don't know what to do um do you have a flight to iraq 
like how does this work we don't know we don't have any real supervision here um and so we're like we don't have any pocs we don't know who to talk to we don't know where to go they're like okay well uh, you can stay the night here but the next flight uh won't be until like tomorrow night and that's you know maybe it might be canceled and you'll have to wait until the next flight which we don't know when it's going to be so then we're like hauling all this shit around kuwait looking for the transient uh tents and it's like none of this is paved it's all on the dirt all on the sand and like picture just like carrying all this shit and like oh my gosh and you're you're tired it's already like in the middle of the night and you don't really know where you're going it's dark um, and that's a dark. God, like Kuwait dark is dark. It's fucking dark. And then we get there, and so how they ha- everything's in a tent. And so in Kuwait, it was like this giant tent of uh, laundry. So you check in, say hey, we're here, transient tents, guy and a girl. So we're in two separate locations. So like, which is very unhelpful because I I don't have a self like yeah a way to talk to him. Right. So like, you have to. You know that you have to pay to like get service or whatever and they don't have like free wi-fi so basically him and i were like okay we don't let's meet up here in front of the bathroom at this time and like that's all we went off of and it's hard because like <laughs> what are you supposed to do yeah um we didn't know where like the um chow hall was any of that so we well, were even just, at that you didn't have like a chow card no, all that shit. no. So that was really difficult. Um, so like, okay. What's cool when you're deployed is, is you actually do have some sort of like, in those locations, not in Iraq, but like in like Kuwait and Qatar and all those, you do have some sort of like money card, which is yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we, we got all of our like sheets and stuff and I go into this tent with like bunks and bunks and there's like, it's transient. So these people are going, leaving and coming in at like all hours day and night so there's people sleeping in there all hours of day and night and so like you roll in this tent it's loud as fuck you know you're hauling all this shit in you like you know put sheets on your little bunk bed and there's you know uh, and you just make sure you have earplugs because there's people throwing their shit around rolling oh, yeah. their stuff out i'm like oh my god that sounds like arif john dude were you at arif john no, uh uh-uh. uh. No? You just want to scream. Because you're like, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to sleep. Because yeah. you're having a slapping days. You know, and it's like learning to cope with that. Like, just being in a bad fucking mood all the time. Because I'm like, oh my god. So, um, and then having to, like, unpack all your shit in the dark in a tent and, like, find the bathrooms and, and do that whole community shower bullshit um it's just tough and it's hot and you you take a shower but you're immediately sweating again and gross so i don't know anyway long story short so that was my transient experience in kuwait and then after that um we went to iraq but it was the same shit we did like a they called it a corkscrew landing and we you know what that is no so a normal plane comes down at an angle and they hit the ground and keep going. Well, in like a combat zone, they don't want people from the outside seeing that they're landing because they don't want to get shot at. So they'll do a corkscrew. So they come above their landing spot and they'll dive, like a nose dive straight down and spin and then land. 
Um, and that was like, I was in a C-130 with like cargo netting seats. All you had to do is like buckle yourself in. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was cool. That but, sounds like a ride. Oh, what an experience. Okay. So it was kind of the same shit. Um, literally the same stuff. But this time there was a POC there that was waiting our arrival, which is helpful. And he took us around and showed, this is where you're sleeping, this is, and he helped us, and that was nice. But when you're in transient, coming yeah. like on and off the hops, it's like- Nobody gives two shits. No, no one can't, no. And anyway, so we are there for like um, several months, and then coming back, it was the same shit. We went to Qatar for, we were stuck there for two weeks, couldn't get a flight. The next flight was to Kuwait. We were there for like another week, all transient. We weren't working like three weeks and then we came back to the UAE finally for another couple of weeks but um anyway the whole this is a really long-winded answer but that whole stressful fucking experience uh I, I finally got back to the states with two months left on my contract oh shit nice. so out processing is a bitch uh you know I've, I've been at this one duty station for six years but I have to go, it's a Navy base and I'm Air Force, so I have to drive an hour to Hobart Field um, to out process. And it's such a fucking bullshit thing because you have to make different appointments on different days and drive here, back and forth, back and forth. So trying to get all that set up to where um, they'll pay for it all and just with, within two months. Um, so yeah, honest, to be like low key though, I, I was dating a guy uh, no, this was never mind. That was before the deployment. I was dating a guy before the deployment, and a lot of my like out processing for the deployment was at Robert. And I'd I'd like spend the night with him, and then stay up there and just say I was <laughs> say I was out processing, but I was chilling. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, kind of the same thing. I'd sleep in and be like, hey, I got out process today. But I, like, didn't give a shit because I'm like, I'm already out of the military, basically. You just got, like, a couple weeks left. And uh, it's not like anyone's keeping track. Anyway, that was kind of my – it's a really long-winded answer, but – Yeah. Shit was crazy for me. I got back from my deployment. I I had about nine months, ten months left. Okay. So it was, like, too long to start out processing, Mm -hmm. but – not long enough to really get back in the swing of of garrison life normal life yeah yeah uh so they didn't want me on a crew anymore because i was going to be leaving okay and they needed to start retraining for our next deployment yeah which is fucked we were scheduled for our next deployment before we got back from our current deployment mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that also aided my decision to get out. Uh, but no, my daughter, she was she was born two months before I deployed. And then deployed. I had an R&R because I had a year-long deployment. So I came back for fucking two weeks. And it was nothing but a goddamn tease of, like, what I was missing. So went back. That's and that's when I got injured out there. I was not in the right mindset yeah. doing some dumb shit and yeah. I got injured. Um, put me out for a while. 
but I, we were doing day on day off operations and I was the NCOIC. I had to be up for fucking 30 plus hours and then go home or back to my tent, whatever, sleep, and then do it all over again. Mm-hmm. <coughs> uh, but we finally got three crews back in rotation. So it was like a, a 24, 24 on, 24 off, followed by like a, an eight hour like work shift. Okay. And that, that was our, our schedule. But that fucked me, fucked me up. Like mentally, you're not supposed to stay up that long for. No. For such a consistent amount of time. Yeah. Uh, so I was I was pretty screwed up just from that, and then everything else that was going on. Um, but yeah, we we got home. I got put on like office duty, which I'm not. <laughs> Now that I look at like what my life is now, yeah. <laughs> Back then, I was not an office person. I fucking hated the office. Plus, I had to learn all these different computer systems and shit for look like your face. fucking. I know. <laughs> <laughs> if you could only see my face. Yeah. Uh, but I had to. I had to learn all this. This whole new world of like military paperwork. Oh, yes. And so much paperwork. So much paperwork. And that was not me. And my first sergeant, he was so pissed off at me because I'd be like, nah, dude, like, I'm not learning this because I'm getting out. Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, you're such a shitbag. I'm like, all right, dude, say what you want. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Like, so I started out processing the, like, it was like a day after I was, I'm going to call it legally, but it's not the right term. Yeah. But like legally allowed to start up processing Uh I fucking started like I turned in all my TA-50 so I didn't have I didn't have a Kevlar I didn't have my vest I didn't mop gear I didn't have anything so they're like oh I need you to go be the NCOIC for the the fucking the range I'm like can't can't (laughs) I need you to do this I need you to take this vehicle here Uh can't (laughs) I do the same thing and like it sounds like from the outside looking in, it sounds like you're taking the easy way, but, like, for real, you deal with so much fucking bullshit, and, like, up until your last day, they will try and, like, task you, so you have oh, yeah. to, you have yeah, to, yeah. like, these motherfuckers, yeah, you have to, <laughs> they made me, I came up yellow on some fucking tracker that I was, like, <laughs> training, I was, like, 90 days out for, like, due for a PT test, <laughs> no, I had a week left, in the army I had a week they left a and, they, and this is after I cleared medical to out process and you're not supposed to you're not even really supposed to go do PT after you clear medical because what? if something yeah. happens it's not going to be in your chart so they're like alright you got to take this PT test I was like are you fucking kidding me why, why? Like, so your little thing can show up green for fucking a week like, they're like oh assholes. well you're gonna be on our charts until after you ETS I'm like well how the fuck does that work cause I'm ETSing like I'm not in the military at that point that's the only thing I do not miss is like why are we doing shit that doesn't make sense oh you don't know then why are we doing it right well, like 
Uh-huh. Like literally, I had to I had to do a PT test a week before I got out, and then I was fuming. So <laughs> what the fuck? I did like the the minimum. Like I was like a on an army PT scale. It went. I don't know what it is now, but it used to go. F- 300 was like maxing out okay all, all your points okay for your push-up setups in two mile okay so passing is 60 percent okay i did exactly 60 percent worth of setup push-ups and sit-ups mm-hmm. and then somehow <laughs> miraculously i timed it so perfectly i got 61 percent on my run so i got a <laughs> i got a score of a 181 and i'm normally like uh. a 270 but you're just trying to slide back and i'm like all right all right (laughs) and so (laughs) my first time was like he pulled pulled me into the office after he got all the scorecards back he's like are you fucking kidding i'm like what i took your pt test he's like i know you're pissed but are you fucking kidding i'm like nah (laughs) like i told you i ain't down for that Mm -mm. he's like all right well the star major wants me to put you on the PT profile, or not profile, but the PT, uh, remediation PT, because you got a 181 on your PT score. I was like, you know I'm good for, like, a 270, right? He's like, but you got a 181. I'm like, all right, well, you can start tell star major to fuck off, because I'm not doing I'm this. Like, yeah, I'm not- <laughs> and, and quite literally, like, three days later, I fucking left and never came back to Fort Hood. Like, <laughs> You're just being dumb. Oh my god! I'm still friends with that that dude, my first sergeant. He got out as well. What? How? Or did he reti- he retired, but yeah. What about uh? Did anyone ever reach out to you after you got out to ask you questions? Yeah. About how the work yeah, yeah. should be done. Yeah. <laughs> I ha- I even had I had a staff NCO because I was a, I was a E6 when I yeah. got out. I had a staff NCO at, like, battalion who my number was on, like, a random um, tracking for being in charge of something because they never switched it over. And this was, like, six months after I got out. So I get a phone call one day, and they're like, hey, Sergeant Johnson. I was like, I'm here with the Sergeant Major. Uh, I'm on speakerphone. Can you tell me, like, this, this, and this? I'm like, no. Sergeant Major got on the line. He's like, he's like, Sergeant Johnson, you need to fucking tell me. I'm like, no, nah, motherfucker, I don't. <laughs> I'm out. It's like, you don't control me. And he starts yelling on the phone. And I'm like, oh, by the way, I've been out of the military for six months. Fuck off. And I hung up, never got a call back. And that was like, <laughs> that was like a wait. Like, you know, like those moments where like your whole spirit lifts up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I do know that. Your ego just gets that much bigger. Like. Yes. Come to find out that dude, he had like some kind of terminal illness. Aw. Um, I think it was cancer or something. He had to know. Passed away. He passed away like a year later. Oh, bless his heart. The Sergeant Major did. Man. Which sucks. That's I fucking sad. hated that dude, but it's it still sucks. That's sad. Yeah. Regardless. That's sad. Yeah, no, I I asked because that's what I did too. I had people reaching out. I was there for so long. That was like the continuity. 
there had been so many other people in and out and I was the only one that was still there. Yeah. And so like I knew the like what was going on basically and how to run the processes and so like after I got out so when the boss reached out I was like my ego got real big. Went, mm-hmm, that's right, bitch. <laughs> you still need me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, the difference is they didn't know I was out. Oh, that's it, yeah. That's funny, though. No, I'd have have soldiers, like, text me and be like, yo, I'm having trouble with this equipment. Mm -hmm. It's like, I know you worked on it, like, forever. And I didn't have any problem. Any Mm -hmm. problem answering a soldier's question. Uh, Because I still had that that mindset. Uh I'm like, I'm here to help. Yeah. Not me. Not me. If I knew, yeah. like, the person and the situation, because I, I also knew the NCO that was coming up in my spot. Yeah. It was not good. Yeah. And you do, like, honestly, like, for your own reputation, you do want to, like, leave your work on a good note and, like, help, you do. help everybody. Yeah, you do, but, but like, you just can't. There's only so much you can... They don't have the same work ethic. They don't have the same, like, organization or, you know, like, professional... Skills that right. you do, <sighs> but can't help everybody. So now, after the military, you are you went to Colorado State. Yep. And now you're an civil, engineer. Civil civil engineering, Colorado State. Okay. Um, it's pretty tough program, but I, I don't know. I'm also of the mindset that if you put your mind to something. It doesn't matter what your intelligence level is. You yeah. can fucking do it. Like, I'm a fucking dumbass. No, And no. now I'm an engineer. 100%. <laughs> no, and it, how big is your ego now? Like, yeah, but I can do anything. Like, I'm still a dumbass. <laughs> no. I don't think so. Engineering's hard. You know, like, I've always, like, my wife and I have always had the time. She's always been smarter than me. Always been smarter than me. But now I have the degree, yeah. and she's like, she's not just now going back to college to get her bachelor's degree. Um, I have the degree and can read through her economics textbook and understand all the calculus and yes. you know, stuffing, getting down to an equation. Um, and she's like, I'm never going to be smarter than you again. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're still smarter yeah. than me. I just understand some, some stuff. That feels good, though, um, to finally, like, be an expert at something outside of the military. Like, Yeah, I wouldn't even call myself an expert. I just, I did the work to get to where I'm at. Yes. And absolutely. I learned some stuff. Yes. So. Was it worth it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. It was always a goal of mine to have my wife go to school and finish her degree after I was done because she put in the work yeah she worked while I was in the military she worked for a bank in Okinawa okay we got out or transitioned to Fort Hood she worked at a bank in Fort Hood while she was pregnant that's a good job too being a yeah Yeah. working at a bank and then we got out of the military and she found a job at a bank in Greeley Mm -hmm. and she actually left me at Fort Hood about a month and a half early so I was live, living the solo life for okay. a month and a half, yeah. having a grand fucking time. I was doing whatever the fuck I wanted. <laughs> no kid, no wife. Nothing. I had no responsibilities other than out processing. And even that, like, I, I tell my first time, I'm like, I'm not going to be around this week. 
I'm out processing. He's like, I got you. <laughs> but I, I get that. Yeah. It was it was it was a good month and a half. It was a nice break. Um, but yeah, she left. She got a job. She was working. She worked her ass off. Um, worked up from just a teller at the bank to the assistant branch manager. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, they were trying to. They were positioning her in such a way to where she could become the branch manager at a different branch. Yeah. Uh, here in Fort Collins. Mm-hmm. But she didn't want it. So that's good retirement. She didn't want it. Yeah. She hates banking. Okay. Hates it. <laughs> Now she's going to economics. She is. Yeah, yeah. She's going to uh, economics, business economics with a minor in business administration. Okay. Um, So that's pretty dope. Yeah, it is. I'm excited for economics is really hard. (laughs) Like, yeah. That's awesome though. Good for her. That's a huge. um, I think together you all have both been through so much together, and you're still. It's just cool to see like you know your adventures and where you've been and Man. where you've both worked and we've had some ups and downs for sure <laughs> just in in our like relationship and our life yeah. and our position position in society yeah you know, yeah i worked in the oil field making a fuck ton of money prior to the military got laid off you're young like didn't AC. have any fucking money yeah. at that point yeah and she was a she was like a manager at uh, Sports Authority. Okay. So she was bringing in a little bit of money, but mm-hmm. not enough to sustain that Denver yeah. life. Yeah. Oh <laughs> shoot. Yeah, Denver's expensive, but still, that's awesome. And so, like, why did you decide to come back to Colorado? Uh, it was more for the support of family. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Her her family lived in Greeley. My family lived in Centennial, uh, and then actually moved to Greeley about a year after we got back. And it was, we tried actually to move to Denver, um, but it was way too expensive. Yeah. 2015, yeah. just way too expensive. Uh, we bought a house in Evans, Colorado for 130000 Sold it in 2020 for 250000 That's amazing. Yeah. That just tells you how the market is. 100%. And what it is now, too. <laughs> yeah, now that house. I looked I looked on a realtor the other day. Our, our house, we get, like, little home bot reports, too. But of, like, the what the value is yeah. at this particular time. Um, but it's, like, 330 Whoa. now. I'm like, Whoa. I would not buy that house no. for 330 <laughs> No. Holy cow. It just... It's amazing, like, what people are willing to spend. Like, I don't think a lot of people are buying, you know? Yeah. But the people who are, like, are going to be in debt for so long. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> it's, yeah, you're not lying. Like, I am... But it's a pl- blessing and a curse to be... Uh, have a, a VA disability. You know, it's a 100% blessing for that money. But I would give it all up to be okay. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Mentally okay. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Shit. Mostly mentally. Mentally. What about how do you? You want to talk about the VA, the VA healthcare? 
Holy shit. VA healthcare, fuck that. I think I I'm really appreciative of of you know the services they offer, but there's not enough providers. Correct. And like you shouldn't have to you you're depressed, you need you have an issue and you need medication, you shouldn't have to wait two months to talk to somebody and like there's things like that that I'm like this right here is why people are yeah struggling yeah but like you don't you don't always want you know every time you call the VA they're like oh if you have thoughts of suicide call this number you don't like really no like you're just gonna play me off like oh you need to hang up and then you need to call this number yeah I'll do that no 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 I ain't fucking doing that. I'm not fucking doing that. That's what... I was in that position. You yeah. Know, I'm not... Another thing is, like... Another thing is, when you when you do seek out help, it, it pisses me off how the military treats it. They treat you like a child. Yeah. And, like, that's what makes me mad. It's like, I'm calling because I'm reaching out because I need help. I need a therapist. I need medication. Whatever. Whatever your yeah, problem yeah, yeah. is. But, like, I've got to talk to five different people about some sort of yeah it's like I have to I have, you have to first talk to the fucking nurse and then you have to explain to a nurse who then has to try to decipher what you said and Downplay translate it, it yeah. to the provider yeah. and then you have to talk to the provider to get a fucking referral and then you have to talk to another nurse to talk to the psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever you have to tell your situation ten times yeah yeah I'm like, by this point, I probably just, you know, already fucking blew my brains out. But, you know. Or you're just fucking done. Yeah. Like, like that, that was my experience. I, like, I literally just didn't want to talk about it. I was so mentally exhausted trying to explain why I wanted help. Yeah. That I, I, did, I was done. Yeah. I didn't want to talk about it yeah. anymore. Like, and, and the nurses are good. And, and I understand they're transcribing information, but they dismiss your problems. They yeah. don't really understand. So it's like, can you just... Yeah. Yeah. And then they the whole rate your pain on yeah. a scale of 1 to 10. Um, it's a 10 every time. <laughs> like, like, I told somebody, I'm like... Like, my fucking... My back was, like, killing me one day. And it just so, ha- it just so happened to have an appointment at the VA. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, let's talk about your back. Like, what would you rate your pain at? And I was like, probably, like, right now, like, a nine. And they're like, well, a ten is, like, you fucking lost your arm. I'm like, are you... What? What? <laughs> are you downplaying, like... My pain? My pain and how I'm feeling. Like, just because I'm not on the floor, like, sobbing or something. <laughs> okay, I'm at a nine point... Or an eight point nine nine. All right? Oh, God. <laughs> like, come on. No, I told, like, dude, I told the I told my provider about that. They fired that the good, nurse. Good, good. It just uh, it's frustrating. Like, uh, just so frustrating. You call because you're you need help. I'm not calling because I'm I'm have a plan. Right. You know, like you call because you need help, and then they're like, <laughs> I'm calling because I don't want a plan. Yes. <laughs> Do you have weapons? Yes. What are you going to do with those weapons? Like, are there people living with you? Do you have people, like, yeah, okay, can you just make me an appointment? Yeah. 
Can we skip all the embarrassing questions? Shit. But, yeah, my recent experience, I, like, called them, and they had, like, a counselor reach out to me, and he was very nice, but he's like, all right, Morgan, how are you today? I know you're going through a tough time. And I am like, dude, I got somewhere to be, yo. <laughs> I can't, I don't have time for this shit. Right. <laughs> like, the other thing I hate about the VA yeah. is all of their mental health specialists have like, it's like 10 to 2. It seems like the only fucking hours they work. And now that I'm out of school, yeah. my schedule doesn't accommodate those hours. 100%. So, what am I? What do you want me to do? Take off take, work? Take off work to come talk to you? Lunch no. Break. I can't do that. Struggle, like, yeah. Yeah. I get six hours a month. Yeah. Nope, 100%. <coughs> I've done that on my lunch break before I'm, like, eating. And they're looking at me on a video. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah, that's it's crazy. But anyway. So yeah, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Oh man. I don't know. I didn't think we were gonna be talking about military the whole time, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, what uh what other experiences I mean so you're an engineer now, civil yeah, engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are you liking that? I am. Um, my particular job at CDOT, I don't particularly like. Yeah. It's too much paper pushing. Yeah. And not enough engineering. Yeah. But. Uh, You'll get there though, right? It is what it is. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. I'll get like I need to transition out of my position into a into an engineering position. But I got I graduated during the pandemic yeah. and got hired during a pandemic, so I wasn't exactly in a position to say, "Hey, no, I know you offered me this position, but I want this position." Yeah. So I just needed a foot in the door. Um, the, the time still counts towards my professional engineering license. Absolutely. So yeah. So once you get that, um, that's transferable. Yep. Like, yeah, anyway, yeah. and then is that for for an engineer? Is that state specific, or is that? It is, but there's re- reciprocity, where I can go to like if I have my PE in Colorado, I can go to Wyoming okay. and just say, hey, I want my PE, and mm-hmm. you just pay whatever their their fee is. Okay. And they look you up and make sure you're telling the truth. And that you actually have a PE okay. in Colorado, and then they issue you a uh, a license for Wyoming. But their annual there's like annual fees and things for your license. Um, yeah. To keep it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And some some ta- some states require uh, professional development hours. Yeah. Or testing? Do you have to for like? No. 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 Because I guess it's the same across the board, depending on climate and everything like all of it's the same to an extent um certain states have additional tests or additional sections of tests that you need to take so like it almost doesn't matter well with a pe in civil engineering 
regardless of your discipline, mm-hmm. you have to take additional tests okay. in states like uh, Illinois uh-huh. and California mm-hmm. and Alaska. I think three I can think of off the top of my head. Um, so my license won't transfer to those states okay. because of those additional requirements. I wanted to be a structural engineer, yeah. and you can't be a, you can't have your your structural engineering license in Colorado and maintain a California because you have to take um, different tests like uh, seismic loading okay. and stuff like that. Okay. Seismic loading—that's like um, materials testing, like weight distribution and things like that. It's essentially designing buildings for structural engineering at least designing buildings or structures under seismic activity like okay. earthquakes and oh okay i understand okay that sounds like fun though yeah sounds cool yeah, i really like structural engineering yeah. uh, i might eventually make my way back to it at one point yeah hoping to work hoping to win that mega millions no absolutely (laughs) absolutely do you uh do you do any projects right now on your own do you build or anything like as a hobby i'm a woodworker okay that's cool amateur woodworker definitely nothing uh nothing legit (laughs) what do you like to build i've made i made my wife a, a coffee bar it's pretty cool yeah that's cool. I had my daughter get involved, and she like helped cut legs, and you Aww. know, like she helped like a pole as I like sawed it off yeah. with a handsaw. Um, you gotta start somewhere though, and that's how you learn. Yeah, it's cool. So you know, she helped me spray paint. And it's memorable. Aww. Stuff like that. It was, it was cool. It was for like a gift for mom. Yes. So she was all willing to help, but yes. if it was like anything else, like nah, fuck off, dad. For mom, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a special piece, though. I'm sure you'll have that forever. Just, oh, yeah. just you know, you and her made that together. That's pretty cool. And, and yeah. the top is like a solid, solid cherry wood. Oh, that's cool. You weld at all? I want to, because I think art, like crafts, like made out of metal, are just fucking awesome. They are. They are. You yeah. can do so much. Yeah. And I'd really like to get into that, but I just don't have an area yeah. to put all that crap. Yeah. It's funny, upsized my house by double, and I still don't have room to put shit. You, okay, <laughs> you accrue so much stuff, like, it just stacks up, accumulates, like, where did all this stuff come from? I don't Right? But you may need it, so you keep it, like, <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. That's all I got. That's all I gotta say about that. Fuck. <laughs> I feel you. I I'm a, a one person, you know, and I could fill up a freaking thirty foot U-Haul. I don't know. Just yeah, it just accumulates. You don't want to get rid of it because you might need it on someday. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So I had that mindset when I was your age. <laughs> I had that mindset. 
But now, ten years later, or nine years later, yeah. I'm like, meh. I haven't looked at this. I yeah. haven't touched it. I haven't needed it. I haven't thought about it. Yeah. In X it. many years, X amount of years. So I'm like, all right. Well, I guess I don't need it. You. It, it changes the way you look at money too. Like, if I am not gonna, yeah. If I haven't used this in so many years, it, like, I'll just buy one. You know, or use one. Right. If I need it. Right. Instead of just packing it around. If I win six hundred million dollars, I'll buy a beach house. <laughs> uh, that was awkward. Yeah, my eyebrow. <laughs> so, and then how was? Uh, we're almost done. We gotta. No, yeah. A little bit, but. Yeah, yeah. How was traveling around um, with your daughter? Oh yeah, yeah. So we did a, a three, little over three week road trip this summer. Went to uh, Michigan. Stayed up Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm lovely town called Holland it's actually really really nice uh, kind of made my wife and I think about maybe moving to Michigan that's awesome because Colorado's too fucking expensive yeah it is it is <laughs> 100% but yeah so we went up to Michigan had a really great time I, met, I actually I ran into a buddy I ran into I called him I told him we were going to be there but he came over he lived lives in Michigan uh, I met him. He was one of my soldiers in Okinawa. Yeah. So met up with him and his family and had a good time. That's cool. That's cool to keep keep those connections even, you know, Yeah. hundreds of miles away. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we left there, went to Niagara Falls in Canada, and it was one of the most powerful experiences that I've felt in a long time just the water the sheer amount of water and you're like as an engineer i'm like this is a lot of force yes. Like, yes. <laughs> like like it's just it's breathtaking mm-hmm. um but yeah it was fantastic spent a week in new york with my family spent half a week in kentucky with people that our neighbors that we had in okinawa their air force and then uh, spent a, few, a couple days in, in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. That's cool. Was, I've never been to Pennsylvania or like anywhere northeast. Really? Yeah. Man, that's what I love about the East Coast. Everything is like within a day's drive. Like from fucking Bangor, Maine. Well, maybe not Bangor, but like the border of Maine, Massachusetts, you know, whatever. Um, from there all the way to like Kentucky is like a day that's cool yeah yeah <laughs> it's like an 18 hour day but yeah. it's a so, day yeah there's so many different landscapes too yeah but that's cool well thank you so much for meeting with me yeah today. absolutely yeah, it's great been great it's been great all right thanks for listening catch you later